Yeah, because if you think you're really amazing, you're not going to be a good coaching client. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'd want to see you if I already thought I was amazing. I'm not coaching Donald Trump, okay? (laughs) So don't be Donald Trump. (laughs) What's inside? Discovering what you're made of and making the most of it with professional coach Ken Edwards. Helping you understand your gifts, honing your leadership skills, sharpening your natural instinct so you can enjoy a more fulfilling life. Welcome back to the What's Inside podcast. I'm your co-host, Eric Nordoff, and I'm here with Ken Edwards. As usual, we are in episode number three. Yeah, We're moving along on your journey to discovering what you're made of and making the most of it. And today we're going to talk about obstacles. That's right. Yep. We all got them. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all got them. And the question we're asking is what's getting in the way? That's right. And you're finding that in your practice, you run across lots of different obstacles. Okay, but there are really some ones that you run into the most. So what are the most common obstacles that you see? Yeah. And before we even get into the obstacles, I just want to encourage you. This is the time that you get really honest with yourself. You don't need to candy coat it or be self-protective. You're working on your own on these things. And so try to be as observational of self as possible. And we'll talk about that later on. But here you want to really look in the mirror. And it's also a good idea at the end of this episode to get some input from other people that really know you, that you trust, they care about you and ask them what they think and be willing to be humble, be curious, be hungry and take it in. It goes back to the first episode where we talked about that good foundation. What's the soil that we want to have as we're growing something? Yeah, because if you think you're really amazing, you're not going to be a good coaching client. (laughs) I don't think I'd want to see you if I already thought I was amazing. I'm not coaching Donald Trump, okay? (laughs) So don't be Donald Trump. (laughs) Who knows when people will be listening to this, but we're in an election year when we're recording this. (laughs) Right. And so we're going to give you questions at the end of this episode to ask yourself, what do you want to ask in your journaling time as you're discovering some of these obstacles and looking for getting curious about these obstacles, questions you ask yourself and maybe questions you're asking others as well. Right. And the questions are designed to find where the bodies are. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Where the, where the obstacles are lying. Right. Yeah. To put it that way. Yeah. Okay. So what are some of the most common obstacles that you see? Yeah. People come in pain. You know, usually if people are in a good place, they don't really seek me out unless they just are hungry to learn, which I certainly have those clients. But often people are coming in in some kind of pain and there's pain falls into many categories, but there's two I probably see the most. There's some kind of family of origin pain that they haven't quite navigated through yet. So they don't really see themselves clearly enough or what they have to offer. And then there's vocational pain, pain that they've encountered as they've come into the workforce. And maybe it's because they're not in the right spot. And so it's been a grind. It hasn't worked well. They've been undervalued. That happened to me in my journey where I wasn't in the right spot kind of in an early career and was not valued. And and it it plays on your mind. It's like, what's really the truth? Do I have more to offer? Or what is my boss reflecting back to me what I really am? 
And so it gets confusing for people. Yeah. It can be very discouraging. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Let's focus on vocational pain. These are really in the counseling world, hurts and wounds that you might have experienced. But sure. let's talk about vocational business, corporate, your career. Do you have a story about maybe something that you experienced or that you've maybe a story from a client that you could relate to this? Yeah. I've seen situations where people have been in a corporate environment and this certainly isn't always the case, but the culture of the corporate environment has a lot to, to do with it. And some environments are hostile where it's so competitive that good ideas are either claimed for, you know, maybe a boss or a coworker claims it as their own. And so they don't get acknowledgement and they get overlooked or people are just willing to step on each other to get ahead. Yeah. And some corporate environments are set up that way intentionally because they think it's a dog eat dog world. And so the very best will rise to the top. That's not really the case. The meanest rise to the top or the most confident rise to the top, which confidence and competence are two different things. Mm. And so you have those kinds of environments. It's very competitive. It can be capitalistic, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. I had a client years ago that was just in the wrong career path. She had invested pretty heavily in her education and she was actually really good at what she did, but it was soul sucking for her. And so when I first met her, she was so angry because it just, her whole life was just kind of one big wad of pain. And she, as we worked together, we probably worked together, I don't know, four or five, maybe six months. And the company had a contraction and she got outplaced, which means fired. <laughs> and she came in and said, I lost my job. And like, Celebrating. Yeah. And I'm like, glory be to God. And, and we had a, a laugh and had a, a long conversation because she had a, now had a runway because of severance to reimagine her life. And she came to the conclusion that she needed to go back to graduate school. And she totally changed her career path. And uh, I remember talking to her when she was in graduate school because she was now with people that she actually fit and they got her and they valued her. And she was like a star in her graduate school program. And it, which created different problems. Like, what do I do with all this attention. Right. Yeah. What I love about these stories is my hope is the listener gets something from these stories. Put yourself in the story. Yeah. Right. And empathize with where that person was. And maybe that's your story. Well, and, and it happened to me uh, moving to Nashville. Actually, I moved here from Texas. Texas was a great place. Loved it. Loved living there. But the mentality of where I lived at that time was pretty closed. People were ashamed of having issues or problems. They didn't seek counseling. They It was like a, an embarrassment. And so they wanted to keep it on the down low. I moved to Nashville and I would see a client in public and they're like, oh, come meet my therapist, you know? And uh, you never had that in Texas. They would totally ignore you in public, which was fine. That's their, their choice. But here, people are more wide open. And I think it's kind of the, the mix of it being a creative environment, yeah. the music industry here and creativity in the business world. And then just the foundational, the healthy part of Christendom mm -hmm. of the church culture here, mm -hmm. people were a little more willing to own their issues. Yeah. And that's not always the case. And not ashamed of them. They're not ashamed of them as much. Yeah. And in Texas, that the church culture was very different. Yeah. And there was more of that kind of belief system, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But the only way mm -hmm. to to really deal with wounds or hurts or pain is is to be aware of it, right? Right. And uh, it wasn't, for example, for me as a professional in Texas, I worked so hard to build a practice that could not sustain me. Mm. And I totally felt like a failure. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm working as hard as I can work and didn't even realize that I was gifted at it because it was so 
difficult. And when I moved here and there was opportunity, people were hungry. My practice exploded and people valued what I was doing. I'm, it was like, you know, after a six year struggle, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I actually do have something to offer because I'd kind of gotten to a point where I was skeptical of that, which was a huge obstacle because I almost gave up. Came pretty close to giving up. Okay, so that really, I think that really rounds out some of the pain, the major pain issues that come up and obstacles that you see. What's the next one? The next thing that I see most frequently are just what people are doing with their beliefs. Disbelief, like I had an experience in my own career where I had struggled for six years to get traction as a counselor. And I began to believe I didn't have anything really to offer because it was so hard and I couldn't get traction, but it was a cultural thing. Where I was in Texas at the time, the culture wasn't that accepting of getting that kind of help. Yeah. It's like something was wrong with you if you right. sought help. Right. When I moved to Nashville, people kind of owned that something was wrong with them. Right. <laughs> and so they were much more willing. The culture here is so much more open and accepting that counseling was a part of the, the accepted culture. Right. And so I moved here and overnight my practice started to flourish, which was shocking to me. I couldn't believe it. And so because I almost gave up hope in my career because of that. So that's kind of the disbelief, the type of faulty belief. Another kind of faulty belief is overestimating what it is you have to offer. And so it's more of, it comes out of a place of maybe just personal arrogance or people have not been honest with you. You've not been in a safe culture. So they just kind of pumped you up. And so you don't know what it is you have to offer. And this is where having a healthy community around you that you can ask, you can ask, what's my impact? How do you see me? Because we need that information. You can't know yourself by yourself. You need to have other folks reflecting back to you what the truth is. And, and so that's, that's important to discern. Nothing bursts your bubble like marriage. (laughs) I'm just thinking about the feedback my wife has given me as an only child, not really fully aware of the things that I'm bringing into my relationship with her. Definitely burst, burst my overestimation of myself. Well, and often, you know, only children like yourself are in a disadvantage. You don't have those siblings that are, you know, knocking you about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I've, I've definitely learned that, but so this whole concept of belief, disbelief, overestimating right. belief or underestimating belief in yourself. Yeah. You know, a good example is open mic night here anywhere in Nashville. You see people that are full of courage. It's breathtaking to watch the courage of these people, but some people have just simply overestimated their gifting and, and they're, just not good. Right. And, and I mean, I don't know how else to say it. And so you can listen. I've done this many times at the Bluebird. I'm listening through a set of 40 people. And that is a long set. It's a long, <laughs> it maybe is 30. That may right. be too big a number, but it's a lot. It felt like a hundred. <laughs> and out of the group, you have two that you're like, oh, there's a possibility there. Now I have an untrained ear. I'm not a professional, but you know, that's my estimation, which right. is probably not that far off. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have a good sense for that. Yeah. Okay. So belief, disbelief gets in the way. These are blocks. They are blocks. Obstacles. Yeah. Because if you don't own who you are, you can't get where you want to go. Well, that leads to the next question or the next obstacle, which is who's at fault? Yeah. Often people come in and they want to either blame shift and put the fault, you know, someone's holding me back, which sometimes that's true, but sometimes it's not. It's a a way to self-comfort and there's just a lack of taking responsibility. Another part of that story can also be there are things, cultural things that are holding you back. There are real obstacles in our culture that can get in the way. 
And if you're a person of color, that no question that happens mm-hmm. frequently. Mm-hmm. I've had numerous conversations. Yeah, with and folks we're about becoming that. more and more aware of that. We are, thank goodness. And so there are these natural biases in any culture that can hold us back. But even then, we need to take as much ownership as we can and think, okay, how do I navigate this water? How am I going to live or exist in this water? You know, for me, I'm dyslexic, and that was a uh, an educational strike against me, but I had to learn how to survive mm-hmm. and I'm really grateful for it. Mm-hmm. I would not want it any other way because it forced me to think and adapt and learn and problem solve in ways that other people didn't have to. Right. And so I had to learn how to fight in a healthy way. And often that's what needs to happen here Yeah, is that we need to take ownership of our circumstances, right, wrong, or indifferent. It may not be things we can control, but if we can take ownership of them, then it gives us the power to begin to navigate and look at, okay, how am I going to overcome this instead of just giving up? Yeah. There's one more most common that you see, and that is a lack of skills or education, gifts, talents. Right. Yeah. Going back to the bluebird example. Yeah. Yeah. You have folks there that might be really passionate. You often hear that people say, follow your passion and you know, you never work a day in your life. And well, you may not work because you'll be <laughs> in the soup line or something. But sometimes people are passionate about things they actually have no natural gifting for. Yeah. And no amount of education or skill can overcome that sometimes. If you just don't have a voice to sing and you desperately want to be a singer, you're just never going to get anywhere. Yeah. And so there's just some raw, raw talent there that uh, raw gifting that you need. Yeah. It's like I wanted to play basketball for the Celtics, you know, <laughs> and at my, um, you know, five, ten and, and three quarters. Yeah. I didn't have the physical ability to do that. Yeah. And which became apparent really early in life. Thank goodness, you know, use my charm to get ahead. So, yeah, looking at, okay, what are, if you have raw gifts, I see this a lot in younger people. They had raw gifts that got them maybe through school because they were smart, but they never maybe learned the discipline of sharpening those gifts. And so as they get into the workforce, they just think they're going to get by and they can't because they don't know what they need to know to harness those gifts. Yeah. And so that's where skill development, maybe in a truly educational environment, going back, going back to school or that kind of thing can help you. But often it's about finding a good mentor or acquiring skill in a different way. Once again, you have to take ownership to get where you're going. And so it's kind of really looking at what's in my toolbox and looking for how do you want to apply that, which requires listening, which we'll talk about later in a future podcast. Right. How to listen to your own story and listen to your own desire to apply the gifts that have been entrusted to you. Yeah, that's a really important part of this journey is um, not only identifying the obstacles, but then also identifying the strengths that you have. Yes. So which one of these four pain, belief, disbelief, ownership, and lack of skills, education, gifts, which one of these is most easy to overcome? Actually, it's the acquisition of skills and education is the easiest because it's pretty straightforward. It's identifying what it is that you need and going out and getting it. The others are harder because those are more the, the psychological, the demons that sometimes we like to think of them or call them because it's it's hard to get to a place that you're willing to take ownership. It's like you really have to look in the mirror and go, okay, it's time to grow up. Often is uh, the response, hopefully. And then looking at, okay, what am I really believing about myself? And can I right size that so I know where to move in relationship? And then just you know dealing with the pain that we've encountered and not letting that 
taint our story. Right. Yeah. And then the patterns that you kind of find yourself in or patterns that you find yourself in with others yes. relationally yeah. is another part of the obstacle that yeah. is difficult to overcome. Absolutely. Yeah. Because all these things create behavioral patterns that we easily get stuck in. All right. So we've come to the point now, I promised our listeners what kinds of questions should we ask ourselves when we're journaling? And so that's my question to you is what kinds of questions should I ask when to help me identify my obstacles in my journaling time? And then feedback questions should I ask others to give me feedback? Yeah. So I would go through this very list and just simply ask, okay, is this an obstacle? Am I carrying pain either from childhood or current that has tainted my worldview, the way I look at my job or the way I look at my abilities and just simply ask that question and listen. And this is a place, if you're a person of faith, ask God to reveal it to you. And because he will do that because he wants to partner with you in your life. Yeah. And so asking that question can be really powerful. And then the next one down, beliefs. What am I believing? What am I believing about myself? What do I believe about the work environment? Am I believing that people are against me or do I believe they're for me? What's the truth of that? Because sometimes they are against you. And so it's really kind of coming to grips with what the truth is in your environment and what it is that you're bringing to the show. And don't be afraid of the answer. No. Right? No, it'll set you free. It really will. And I remember working with clients, a husband and wife years ago, and the husband, uh, I wanted to wring his neck (laughs) because he would say in this pompous way, uh, well, you know the truth and truth will set you free. I looked at him one day and I'm like, yeah, God's truth will set you free, not your truth. Because he was, he wanted everyone to orient to his truth. Mm. And I'm like, no. So yes, if you remain stuck in your own personal worldview, your own kind of private truth, they may not get you anywhere. Right. So it's a matter of being willing to test that truth yeah. with what other people have to say. Right. And that's where your community can be helpful. And if you don't have that community, that's an obstacle yeah. that you really need to work on right there. So work on that, build a community that you can trust and, and ask for feedback. So the other question is, who is at fault? Am I at fault? Are others at fault legitimately? Right. Yeah. And it's a good question to ask. But the thing that we need to look at, I think the better question is how can I take responsibility for the environment, the circumstances that I have? So, yeah, there may be some fault that isn't yours out there that is holding you back. But what can you do about it? Okay, you may not change them at all. Probably won't. But for you to take ownership of that and maybe change jobs, get into a different environment, it depends on what the answer is. But there are solutions, but we really need to take personal responsibility for it because anytime we start doing blame shifting, we're automatically stuck. Because if if I'm struggling in my marriage and I blame my wife, well, she may have some fault to share, but that doesn't get me anywhere. Just simply to to blame, Mm -hmm. that just leaves me and her stuck, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It doesn't get us anywhere. No. And then the last one is what skills am I lacking? What education am I lacking? Where maybe do I not have the talent or the gifts or the natural ability right. to do yeah. certain things. So this is where seeking out someone that if you have a sense of what you might be interested in moving to, seek out someone that is there. Someone I've done that over the years. Most professionals are really willing to talk to people that are up and coming. And it doesn't matter whether you're a young person. That's most typical what happens. But if there's some place you want to go and you're you know, 30, 40, 50, talk to the person that is where you want to go and glean from them. I had someone really reach out 
last night that is thinking about pursuing a counseling degree and wanted to talk to me about my whatever insight I have to to offer that. And don't be put off if they try to hose you down with some cold water. Often I do that because, uh, you know, the counseling world, the coaching world, it's hard. It's hard to get started. It's hard to grow in. But if it's the only thing that you can do, it's like the thing that you have to do. Like for me, I have to do this. Then you're going to be successful. Yeah. And professionals often have their way of teasing that out. So they may, my guess is that they'll both be encouraging, but they might throw some water on you too, to see what you're made of. Yeah. Yeah. It's a test. It is a test. Yeah. No. And you do have to love, deeply love. I've been told that often or heard that often that you, if you have a passion for something and a true deep love and desire to do something, you're going to overcome a lot of obstacles and things that get in your way. Particularly if you have the passion and the gifts to support it. Yeah. If you don't have the gifts and passion. Yeah. It's going to be frustrating. You're going to be spinning your wheels probably. But if you have some gifts and desire, it's what's gotten me where I am. Yeah. I had these raw gifts. I had acquired skill and it was really hard, but I didn't give up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. Well, that's a good way to finish for us today here on this topic of obstacles. I felt like we really covered a lot today. And so what's up next? We're going to get into our origin story. That's right. Any previews, any teasers about that? No. (laughs) Darn it. Come on. No, we're going to be looking at your origin story, kind of looking at your family of origin, the culture you came from. What are the factors that makes you who you are today? Yeah. What goes into that? The question we're going to ask is, what are you made of? We're getting to the heart of some of these things now on this podcast That's right. in the next one. So you don't want to miss it. We're going to dive into the origin story in an exercise that Ken's going to walk you through yeah. to be able to get don't miss it. to that. You're going to love it. For show notes and relevant resources mentioned in today's episode, and if you'd like to reach out to Ken to see if coaching is the right next step for you, visit ProvidentLeadership.com. That's ProvidentLeadership.com. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform.